What is up, ladies and gentle nerds? It's your boy, Graham, also known as HamHawks42 on the internet. And today, we are doing day number two of the Ikoria spoilers. And today, I want to talk about a special card that is touching a special place in my heart for a couple of reasons, and I want to touch on that. Um, not the least of which is that its name is a silly portmanteau. And if you're not familiar, portmanteaus are when you take two words and smash them together to make a brand new word. And uh, for example, we have arpelagor. And what that is, is uh, it's, an ar it's an archipelago that's gory apparently, or is capable of goring someone um, in you know the way that a bull or other kind of monster could do to someone. Um, so yeah, so I gotta say, the name just, I absolutely adored. And this also gives us an opportunity to talk about another mechanic. Yesterday we talked about the command mechanic as it related to Lutri, the spell chaser. And today I want to talk about Archipelagor because it features a mechanic called Mutate. So Mutate is, on its surface... Um, Interesting. It's funny because people who come from a limited background, in I've kind of been keeping an eye on the discourse over the last couple of days as this has all been kind of bubbling up. And it's interesting to hear people's responses to it because I look at Mutate and I think it's, it looks like a really cool mechanic and I am very eager to try it. Um, I want to get, get a handle on it, see how it plays, see how it interacts. I can think of a couple ways where I would love to, um, a couple weird fringe cases where I'm still not exactly sure how things would play out. I think I know, but maybe not. Um, yeah, I, I'm very eager to try it. Meanwhile, I know that um, folks who are very invested in limited, so the people who are very used to drafts and sealed and that type of thing, they look at mutate and just say, oh, it's terrible. This is a disgusting idea. Why would anyone do this? Uh, because there is this common problem in decks um, in limited where enchantments aren't very good. Uh, enchantments that attach themselves to creatures, so auras. They're not very good because if the creature dies, the aura is removed. It's just, it's a free, you're, you're handing your opponent an opportunity to do a two for one, where they spend one removal spell and remove two of your cards. That's no good. It's, it's a really bad situation. And if you're on the receiving end of a couple of those, or even actually even one really bad one can completely cut you out of a game. So mutate functions kind of similar to that. So mutate appears on creature cards. All of the creatures, at least at this point, everything that has been spoiled so far with mutate on it has been a creature. Presumably that's going to be the, the case. Um, I'm not sure how it would work if it wasn't. So let's go ahead and assume at this point. Now we've only seen a fraction of the cards, so we haven't seen them all. Who knows? But the way that it works is when you mutate, you pay the mutate cost rather than the mana cost. So in this case, our Pelagor is a 7-7 seven, seven for 7 simple enough, or you can mutate it for six. And if you do that, so if Archipelago is in your hand and you pay six and mutate it rather than paying its casting cost of seven, what you do is when you cast the spell, let me, I, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. If you cast this spell for its mutate cost, put it over or under target non-human creature you own. They mutate into the creature on top, plus all abilities from under it. That reads really poorly. Um, it does. It is a complicated rule that is difficult to really grasp right away. But basically all that means is if you cast it as a mutate, what it can be is that can become a base creature with the abilities of another creature that you already have on the battlefield. You can, you're can you basically taking two creatures, one that's in your hand and one that's on the battlefield, and you're smashing them together. 
that's straight up what you're doing. So if, it, if a creature, if you mutate a creature out of your hand, you are taking it and merging it with one that's on the field. Now the stat line that you have here is, um, is dependent on whichever creature goes on top. So generally you're going to take a creature, whatever creature is the biggest, and that's the one that's going to be going on top. And then the way that you line it up, actually, it's funny. If you look on the card itself, there's actually a little line right under the mutate cost. And I believe that the reason that's there is because if this is the bottom card, what you can do is you can actually line up the top card so it fits down to that line. And then from there, you can see all of the activated or you can see all of the abilities on the lower card. Um, and then you can stack multiples. So if you have three or four different creatures all mutated on top of each other that have all been smashed together into this weird monster, you will see all of the different activated, or you will see, not just activated, but all of the abilities that exist on that creature. Now, when you smash these two together, they are a single creature. And so as a result, one removal spell can destroy all of them. So that is a factor. Now, there are a number of fringe cases that I don't really understand how they work. There's one that Wizards clarified where if you're mutating, so if you cast mutate and you target a non-human creature you own, that's another thing I want to point out. It's any non-creature human you own. You do not need to be mutating onto a card with mutate. So the, the card that is on the field, it just can't be a human. That's it. Other than that, all creatures are game. So you can, you can throw that onto whatever. Um, and I have a feeling there are going to be some really bizarre combinations that people figure out. And the level of um, the level of weirdness that we are going to see, especially in people's commander decks, are going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this very, very much. As someone who absolutely adores jank and all the weird things, and I love it when games get weird, when they get weird and complicated. And I, I adore that stuff. Even just yesterday, I was explaining how much I enjoy stack-based shenanigans. Well, now we get to have stack-based shenanigans on creatures on the battlefield. I can't wait. I'm 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 over the moon about this. And Arpelagor specifically is really cool because it showcases another thing, which a lot of these creatures with mutate have triggered abilities that trigger when they mutate. So when you cast this card and merge it with another creature, you get the trigger. And then when you merge another creature on top of it, that creature's mutating again, and you get the trigger again, plus whatever other triggers are on top of it. So if you put two or three creatures with mutate triggers on top of each other, then you can just mutate one more time and just boom, 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 boom. You just get this big chain reaction. Now, that is super expensive to pull off, because I want to point out the mutate cost on Arpelagor is six. So you still need to get to a point where you can play six in order to mutate this guy. Now, he's probably on the top end of the mutate creatures. That's that's fair. But a lot of the ones that we've seen have a mutate cost of four or five. You know, like that's not uncommon. I have yet to see a creature that just mutates in for one. I haven't seen it yet. Now, it might be here. That might be a thing that exists. I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see. Actually, I think it would be really cool if they had like a zero one that mutates for one. But like that's it. It's vanilla otherwise. That way you could use it basically just to trigger this stuff. I think that would be fun. I don't know if it exists. I'm just speculating. But Arpelagor's ability is whenever this creature mutates, tap up to X target creatures where X is the number of times this creature has mutated. Those creatures don't untap during their controller's next untap step. Now, I know what you're thinking. When I see a trigger that requires me to know how many times a certain event has occurred, I get a little... Uh, that gets me a little nervous because I assume, oh, I need to have some kind of counter now. 
But I'm realizing with Mutate, that's not the case because you're going to have physical cards that are stacked on top of each other. You can just freaking count them and you have an idea of how many, you will know exactly how many times the thing mutated. So that's nice. Now, so in this case, in order to get that trigger onto the battlefield, you either have to pay seven to just put it Archipelago down. And he, when he comes into play, he's just a seven, seven for seven. That's it. That's all he is. You don't get that effect when he first comes out. Also, I want to point out creature type Leviathan. Just saying. That's awesome. Um, I love that that is a creature type that still is being supported. So it's... You, he's just a 7... He's a vanilla 7-7 seven, seven until you mutate him. Then stuff happens. Now, the other thing that's great about our Pelagor is he can mutate onto other creatures that already have some kind of crazy ability. So I think this guy is your finisher, is the way that it looks to me. So what I would imagine is you have a creature that can mutate it you know, you play it for one, you say you hit a one drop, and then you can, actually, I would love to see, like, a Knight of the Eben Legion as my base creature, right? One, two for one, with a bunch of crazy abilities on it, including counters that get can get added when certain criteria are met. Okay, awesome. Like, let's say I have that, and then I put out a creature that mutates for two, and then I can put another creature that mutates for three on top of it. Like, that could be what I'm doing, is I can just stack, stack, stack on top of this thing. And I can have a hit, I can have it mutate five or six times, and each time it mutates, you are changing the creature that is on the battlefield. Therefore, summoning sickness is not an issue. You don't have to deal with... Um, you're modifying a creature, you're modifying a permanent that has already been in play. So whether or not it has haste is irrelevant. As long as you have owned it for at least one turn, you're good. So in this case, with our Pelagor, if you have a creature that has been already mutated two, three times, you slap our Pelagor on top of it. Now its stats become a 7-7, seven, seven, regardless of what it was previously, because chances are you're going to want to put this guy on top. Because I'm guessing you, the body that that creature already has is not going to be as big as a 7-7. Seven, seven. You know, I could be wrong. There could be weird cases, but also that's just the base stats. So if that creature already has a couple plus one plus one counters on it, let's say its base was like a three three and you had two counters on it. Well, the the moment its base stats become seven seven, it now becomes a nine nine because it keeps those counters, and so it just is going to continue to grow in all kinds of weird fun ways. Like I, I'm seriously over the moon about this. I can't wait to get my hands on mutate. It's going to be so much fun. So you slap our Pelagor down for six mutated onto a creature that's already mutated three times let's say in that situation what you're going to have is a seven seven and when that mutates if there are any other mutate triggers that are already on the bottom uh, on the lower cards those go off plus then you take a look at how many times the thing has mutated and you get to tap down that many creatures and freeze them for a turn so in a limited kind of situation, can you only imagine when you're doing that limited stare down where you have a certain number of creatures and your opponent has a certain number of creatures, all of a sudden your 5-5 five five just became a 7-7 seven seven or a 9-9 nine nine if some of those are counters, you know, or however big this thing is, and your opponent is now tapped out. You've got the biggest creature on the field and he doesn't have any blockers. Wham! Like, that's gorgeous. This is, like, the, the usage here is phenomenal. Like, I can't wait. Now, that said, the amount of mana that you have to sink into that creature to pull that off, so if you've already mutated two or three times, you've already probably invested nine, ten mana into just this one creature, and your opponent can hit it with just one Doomblade or one D-Spark or one whatever, um, and it's just gone.
all of it. All your hard work is just completely gone. So you got to hustle and do whatever you can to put hexproof on that thing. I have a feeling cards like Starlit Mantle that came out in Theros Beyond Death that grant hexproof are going to be crazy valuable because protecting these monstrosities, these behemoths that we're all going to be cobbling together with this mutate mechanic is going to be really, really clutch. You know, protecting it is going to be the name of the game. And protecting it with Shroud is going to suck because then you can't target it with your own mutate effects. So it's got to be Hexproof. So I would just imagine that Hexproof is going to be downright critical moving forward. So, yeah. I also would love to see, like, a Mutate Boggles deck. Just throwing that out there. So Paradise Druid. Uh, Paradise Druid with Vigilance is going to be a thing that you know, there's that's an archetype that's currently in standard right now with uh, Paradise Druid and Sentinel's Eyes. That's something that we're seeing quite a quite a bit of. It's not super competitive yet, but it's fun. You know, it's it's a fun alternative to some of the more competitive decks out there. I would love to see what people do once Mutate comes into the uh, into the equation because there are probably going to be a couple of couple of Mutate cards that fit nicely into the curve in that t- type of a deck. And now all of a sudden, those are alternatives two enchantments that you could be slapping on the creature so that's intriguing i'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with mutate i think it's a really cool effect now there are a couple of unique fringe cases one of which wizards clarified and a couple others i'm not entirely sure about to be fair so let's just go ahead and kind of start at the top um Wizards did clarify that if you are casting a Mutate card out of your hand, targeting a creature you control, and for some reason that creature no longer becomes a viable target, let's say your opponent has something like, um, what is it, artificial, or the artificial evolution, um, or no, unnatural selection, that's what I'm thinking of. It's an enchantment that uh, can change... I believe that's the one anyway. It changes a, a creature's type. So a, a, an opponent can pay one, your opponent could pay one, change target creature's type until end of turn. Like you turn into a human. Now all of a sudden it's no longer a viable target for your mutate. All right, that sucks. And you, what you, the way I would have assumed that that would play out is, well, okay, this mutate effect has now fizzled. So I guess the card is going to the graveyard, but that's not how it works. Instead, the mutating creature, instead of mutating, the mutate effect is no longer relevant. So instead, it just comes in as its own creature. That way, when you spend six mana to try to play an archipelagore, and your opponent gives your own thing shroud, or changes it into a human, or does something else that makes that not a viable target, or kills it, like if they, they blow it up, then I'll, now you're getting a creature into the mix instead. So that helps kind of um, reduce some of the some of the risk involved it helps kind of give you a little bit of advantage given how expensive mutating is so that's interesting um yeah i just the possibilities are just incredible now the other thing that i would love to know when a creature with mutate dies all of the creature cards go to the graveyard and the owner of those creatures uh gets to decide what order they go in if that matters. I know there are some cards that care about the order of your graveyard, so you can establish that. Now, those are pretty few and far between, and they're in some older sets, so there's a good chance it's not going to be relevant in 99% of cases, but just in case it is, they have clarified that. Okay, cool, great. So, there's that. But what I would love to know is, what happens if I have a Kaya's Ghost Form on my mutated creature? If you're not familiar, Kaya's Ghost Form is an enchantment that when the enchanted creature dies, it comes back to the battlefield immediately. So it's just kind of, it's preemptive reanimation. You know, you're putting it on a creature with the intent of it dying, so it can just bounce right back. So in that situation, do I get all of the mutated creatures back, or just the top one? You know, and I think it might just be the top one, but I'm not sure about that. You know, that's something I would love to, I'd love to know. 
Um, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm realizing another use case for Mutate um, that I hope the Wizards development team realized, uh, I hope they thought out, and that is how they interact with the Titans from, um, from Theros. Although, actually, um, no, never mind, just kidding. So here's here was my concern. Here was what I was thinking of, and um, it, you have to jump through some hoops to make this happen. So if you pull it off, great. Um, I was thinking, what happens... So the Titans, when they first hit the battlefield, you have to... Uh, uh, two triggers go on the stack, one for their end of the battlefield ability and another for having to sacrifice them. I was thinking, what happens if you mutate onto the creature before it's sacrificed, but then it ends up dying? That doesn't, it doesn't stack out in a way that would make that effective. Because, uh, well, mainly because you have to mutate at the same speed that you play a creature, which is sorcery speed. You can't do that with something's on the stack. So never mind. That was a little stream of consciousness misfire. I apologize. That is not going to be an issue. So... Yeah, we're good there. And the other thing about that is actually when it <laughs> when it would stack out, it, the way that it would stack out is you would have to it would have to mutate, hit the creature, and then you would sacrifice. So it does. It still doesn't matter. It still doesn't work. <sighs> so I have no doubt that Wizards of the Coast did think about that and dismissed it just the exact same way that I did there. Okay, cool. So let's talk flavor. So Arpelagor is, or sorry, Archipelagor, because it's got to be nice and nice and confusing, similar to ichthyomorphosis. So, archipelago, archipelagor, archipelagor, archipelago, archipelagor, yeah, archipelagor. <laughs> I didn't think I actually picked this because of the name. So, it is a, it looks like a gigantic crab-like or turtle-like creature um, with very large threatening fins. In, a very, in the center of the frame is a very prominent face that looks almost like well, it looks vaguely like a turtle's face, except with teeth. So actually, I would say that it looks similar to a Godzilla face, but I know that that's a touchy subject right now. Then behind it, behind said face, is what looks like a mountain, like a full mountain. It looks like there's a mountain that is in place of what would be like the turtle's shell. So what you have here is you have literally an island or an archipelago that has like come to life as a gigantic or perhaps it was like sleeping and what people had just assumed was a feature of the terrain is in fact a gigantic sea monster um i love that i think it's just great it fits the flavor of the set beautifully and the other thing you can see in the artwork is as this creature is swimming there are these huge waves that it is pushing forward um yeah this thing is monstrous there's no question and i appreciate that i think that's something that's really fun about this set i feel like it captures the flavor of icoria that we've seen so far i mean if you give something the the subtitle layer of the what layer of behemoths you better bring the behemoths and i think archipelago definitely qualifies as somebody who loves big creatures and loves janky gameplay i cannot wait to get my hands on this guy like it's funny i'm i've i'm getting a lot of mixed reactions i'm seeing a lot of um responses from icoria that kind of cross the gambit and uh, i gotta say i'm for it if you're not i get it and that's perfectly fine you are to totally entitled to your opinion um but I'm very intrigued at how this is going to play out. So you better believe, starting today, I'm hoarding all of my gems on Arena because I'm getting all of these, and I'm going to draft the Everloving Snot out of it the moment it becomes available. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope you're looking forward to it, or at the very least, I hope you see something to love about it. Um, yeah, and if, if you have any thoughts about this, please don't hesitate to leave a comment below. You can also hit me up on Discord or over on Twitter. I am at Hawks42, and you can also get this show, Overthinking MTG, everywhere you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Yeah, guys, thanks so much for hanging out. I also stream over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash hamhawks42. Go ahead and check me out. I'm over there every weekday morning. Um, a lot of the time is grinding, sometimes drafting, doing all kinds of fun stuff. 
anyway, thank you so much for hanging out. I will be sure to catch you next time.